season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Parkville Network. Right. Pretty pumped today. Um, you can text us 402-403-9478. Um, text voicemail to the show. We appreciate it uh, very much. Appreciate you listening, subscribing, downloading wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to let you go ahead and do this. This is kind of like your, this is like your jam. Well, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm very, very excited. First of all, we've wanted to have Marty Cordero. For months. For months. In, for yeah. months. We've been working well, on this. Well, then why can't, haven't you asked? We've been the asking the wrong, We can't get past your people. Yeah, you have, you have, very, you have people that, people. Then, and you have good people. They're very good <laughs> gatekeepers. Yeah. You're a busy you're, guy. You're here. That's all that matters. Thank That's you. all that matters. And, um... You guys have been for a while. I'm wondering in just a couple seconds. I want to talk about we've been. You guys have been working on for a minute this 50 Summers documentary that kind of that kind of chronicles the whole history of the Royals, Golden Spike, Storm Chasers from well, 50 52 summers. years now. 52 years technically. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And um, as soon as I saw that, I thought. I'm, I'm definitely. I'm going to be in this movie. I'm part of. I the was movie. part of that for five years. They're going to want to interview movie. me. They're going to want to. And then. Crickets, 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 <laughs> crickets. I had to have been the fattest you, bat boy ever. I know that for sure. You know what the funny part is? Is Tony Boone, who's in your media relations, um, and Tony and I go way back. I just learned. Yeah, about like, an hour ago, I learned about the old radio days. Yeah. And, uh, like yeah. his first job out of college was uh, KHAS in Hastings. And that's when we were out. I was out there. And we owned KHAS and KICS. And he came out and he got hired on as a sports guy. Not the sports director, because we had Dave Brock who is a sports director out there. And, um, but Tony came on and Tony was, yeah, he was fantastic. He is. He's great. It's great to have him uh, land with us. Oh gosh. I mean, this is, this is, it was meant to be. It it really was. Again, one door closes, another one opens. It does. There's always a reason. And he reaches out about this whole deal. And then he says to me, I didn't realize until I looked at the pictures on the wall in the office that Pat used to be a bad boy, ball boy. Were you ball boy or bad Easy. boy first? Let's, let's think about that for a second. What's the progression? politically correct. <laughs> let's think about that. What's I think you might have just stepped in it. I was ba- a bad boy, then ball boy. No big deal. Bad you have to go through boy. training. You can't, they, nobody, they just didn't throw anybody under the net to look like an idiot. <laughs> so you were, first you were just collecting bats that they tossed. Okay, you're minimizing it greatly. <laughs> I was, we'll talk okay. to him and we'll talk okay. to Dan about how, how much of an important role then you, of bat then boy Then you played. captured stray balls. I mean, if we're if we're whittling it down to brass, yes, that's basically what I did. <laughs> but you were little. But I, mean, I was good at it. You were really good All at of it. it. Were little? Okay, I was short. Like Vers said, what was he, he saying about two inches away from being a circle back yeah. in the day? And, and coming from me, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, right. Just, just a little guy there. Good point. Okay, so in studio, go and right ahead. Dan Napoli, also the director of this movie, which uh, we had the opportunity to watch it last night. I've always wanted to say that. God, we got to screen it before we got, did the interview. Nice. It's a big deal. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. And we Absolutely. both watched it yesterday, and uh, it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Dude, thanks so much for having us on. This is, uh, this is cool. I think this is the first piece of press since it's released that Marty and I have got to do together and actually like talk to people that have seen the film and then go back and forth other than a couple of the Q and A's, but so this should be super fun. This That's is awesome. Great. No, Thank you. I'm honored. And, you're, and it is awesome. You're right, Dan. And uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill Hipsher uh, and the whole crew uh, at, at her at her at films. Uh, it was something that goes way back, you know, January of 18. No, wait, 
All my years go together. January of 17. 17. Uh, you know, I get a call from Bill, and well, actually, we're talking about a different project. And Bill says, Hey, I've been thinking, you know, your 50th season's coming up. What are you guys doing? I said, Well, we have a 50th season committee, and we're talking about promotions and marketing in years, and it kind of lined up perfectly. We're going to celebrate five decades, and, you know, starting in 1969 and then having the 50th season in 2018, it kind of lined up to make the decades really easy and to celebrate that way. And then also the way the names of the teams ended up lining up because chasers weren't chasers till 2011. So that even peeled the decades down. And I said, that's kind of what we're doing. He said, eh, cool, how would you think about a movie? I'm like, Okay, whatever. And he said, no, seriously, you know, we're talking about <laughs> yeah. this project. I said, well, I tell you what, put something on paper and reach back out. And I just thought that'd be the end of it. Well, Dan can really tell the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny, dude. So the reverse side of that coin, why that's going on is, um, so we had finished in an action sports movie in a documentary in like October 17 or maybe 16 even. And Bill is like, Hey, um, so Bill is our producer on the film. Uh, and he's the president of her out films of the studio and was like, Hmm, did, is this ours? And I was like, well, kind of, you know, we had a club, a brand and he's like, oh, we should, we should make more of these. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I just quiet. I just see the wheels turning and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I think I got an email maybe, or I think I, no, I got a text from him that he's like, Hey, uh, got an idea. I just met with Marty. We're going to do a, how, how, what do you think about us doing like a 50 years storm chasers and minor league baseball documentary? No brainer. Like, yeah. And I'm an ex. Um, I played D2 out at Kearney. Um, not very well, not for very long. Um, I was a left-handed pitcher, <laughs> got a little, little elbow surgery. So I was a lifelong baseball guy. My dad, my dad's a Brooklyn Dodger guy. I was born, actually born in Brooklyn. He's old enough oh, that he God. remembers like getting the day off from school when the Dodgers won in 55. Oh, like, so I so was baseball's like, in your blood. It's not like you had yeah. to go learn the game. Yeah, so to this, do this was like awesome when, yeah. okay, let's. Was it, was it overwhelming though when you think 50 years in one movie? Because you know all the history that's in there. It's like, how on earth yeah, are we going to get this all pulled? I, I mean, that's a lot I, of good stuff. I said not my problem, but, you know, that's <laughs> why we hired you. And, you know, just, I, I always tell people, just wind me up and tell me what you want me to do. That's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And that's kind of how I have learned to live my life. I don't know that I always like it that way. But, you know, um, yes, in, we had already spent about seven or eight months laying the groundwork and Casey Long really led, uh, she's not with the organization anymore, but she was our promotions and marketing director. And she really was laying the groundwork for how we would celebrate and which former players would we bring back and you know, what is our budget? And I mean, it, it could have been whatever, yeah. um, but we're still minor league baseball. We're not major league baseball. So we had to do it from a fiscal uh, responsible standpoint. And, you know, we had so much stuff, I couldn't imagine where they would start from, you know, planning and shooting and locations and storyboarding. But again, and not your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right, Pat. Right. Exactly right. Got it. Well, and our thing too is, you know, we, we basically had laid it out and, and Bill had laid it out early. And this is kind of like, um, this is, this is my favorite. This is how I explain if you haven't had like the privilege to work with Bill. It's awesome. He's a guy like, very analytical, really quiet. Like Bill will kind of come into a room with his arms crossed. He'll kind of analyze what's going on. And he'll be like, unicorn made of ice cream. 
that's what this room needs. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, that's yes. what this needs. That's awesome. And he's like, cool. So I got some other things to go figure out. Um, you take some care great of it. ideas. I'll come back in. You tell me six months, whatever, and we'll have a unicorn of ice cream. And it's like, okay. And then our, our job's like, okay, figure this out. So we knew 50 years of chasers, but also wanted to tell and, and to be able to tell the, the grander arc of minor league baseball over the half century through the experience of the storm chasers. And then also peel back a little bit of the game day staff experience, Marty and what his team do. So it's which is like, not what I expected when I saw this, I really, expected really? straight up historical documentary and it was an awesome surprise. That's the first thing I told it her was. this morning. When we talked about it. Oh wow. Right. It was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was really, it was, and you're right about that other, the, it made me ask so many questions in my head and I was like, wait, okay. So, and I don't know the answers to these, but I see the picture of all the different ball caps on the wall with all the, the teams. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, so where do the Royals fall in, in, in the line of succession as far as being a minor, the minor league team, who was first, who, who was the first, you know, who, who came first, what, what chicken, what egg. From the standpoint of. The 50 years? Of, of the, it was prior, before the 50 years, before the Royals, who was out there in the same position before the Royals became? In, here in, here market, in, in market. So you had the yeah. Dodgers in the 60s. And then before that, the whole reason that Rosenblatt was built was the Cardinals were looking for a place for their, for a minor league affiliate. So the Cardinals were the first team. So Rosenblatt was built uh, 47, 48 and opened in October 48 to a barnstorming game, and then the Cardinals played starting in 49. Well, the NCAA was looking for a place to move the College World Series. It was in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is funny because that was the market I was in before I came here, and Rob Crane and I were there. So it's we're all things are always connected in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's crazy. But had, had professional baseball not been looking to locate here, mm. we wouldn't be talking about what the College World Series means from an economic impact, or if you read the news today, what impact is coronavirus going to have on right. the College World Series? It never would have happened. Mm-hmm. It would it would it would have either stayed in 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 Kalamazoo or would have gone somewhere else. So 1950, first wow. year of College World Series, and then the Cardinals. I don't remember Dan 57, 58. They went away for three or four years, and the Dodgers came in 61 for yeah, four or five I th- years. I think Steve Rosenblatt had said I think they left in 58 or 59. Then then Jesse mentioned I think the Dodgers were two years maybe 61, 62. Yeah, it wasn't long. And then there was a gap until for about 69. seven years until 1969. Yeah, until 69. Really, I, I remember okay. um, being an employee and a huge fan before I worked for the Royals, and my, we'd go all the time, you know, to the games. I remember actually not; I, I couldn't stand the College World Series because I was so mad that people showed up for the series all the time, and the Royals had, you know, a thousand people at games. Like it just pissed me off, you know. My dad and and my dad would fire me up all the time, you know, because he was <laughs> well, he was even more fired up about it because I I thought it was like, well, man, we can't even support our own team; it's our Royals. So I boycotted the series, and then I realized how fun it was. Well, it's weird, like <laughs> as a director on things like this, sometimes you do learn stuff, and so I guess I didn't really probably like a lot of people in Omaha, and I love the College World Series. Like I said, so I grew up in Denver, and all I wanted to do was be good enough to play in the college world series. And I didn't realize you're like, yeah, it's this awesome 10 day college baseball festival. Yeah. And I didn't realize what's the other side of that coin of like when it was all in one stadium, like the strife that it really put on the minor league team. I was like, Oh my God. You explained it so well too in the documentary. I mean, 
the disappointment and the, the real upheaval that, that it caused when you all had to like, okay, can you guys move? Cause we need to bring in the NCAA. Yeah. And, 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 and Pat, you bring up a good point as well. You know, in the seventies, it really wasn't like from an attendance perspective, college world series didn't really draw anybody until around 80 when ESPN started mm-hmm. showing out on television. Right. And, and I even remember long cords, black and white television in Louisiana <laughs> watching Cal State Fullerton on a small black and white TV while my dad made me put tomato plants in peat moss cups. Um, <laughs> That's a memory. But, but, but it is. And yeah, I grew up yeah. a baseball family. So, yeah. you know, that was my first connection to Omaha in the early 80s. But it wasn't until ESPN and television and media when the College World Series really started to explode. And at that time, you know, we weren't here. I, I, our organization was here. We don't know what the organization was or wasn't doing from, from a community engagement, from a right. ticket sales perspective. But whatever happened, happened. And for a number of years, the franchise really did languish, you know, mid-80s, on for a while. Uh, had some good years in and out of there, but uh, it kind of it seemed to kind of spike back up a little bit when, like, mid '80s, when the, the Royals won the championship in Kansas City, absolutely, and then it brought back, and then and it was like '89, '90, whatever, when the AAA crown was. We got that here, and that kind of spiked yep. it up. I remember that crowd being insane, and the press coverage was huge. So that kind it did at the end of the '90s, or I'm sorry, end of the '80s, early '90s, it started to kind of get a little momentum, yeah. which was awesome. So, you know, we've been through a lot of years, but no, it, the College World Series, JT, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was something that was great for Rosenblatt, and mm-hmm. it is something that continues to be good for the metro area. And anything that is baseball ultimately is good for us. We, we, we fundamentally believe that. But that doesn't mean on a day-by-day basis it's great for business. And, you know, at that time when we had no ticket office when we moved out, um, you know, literally, you know, in the general manager's office, I had one or two other people that were housed with me for two, two and a half weeks. Pictures come off of walls. And there was That's a photo crazy. that I wish I would have shared with Dan and them. All the metal shelving would go along this one wall in my office and all of the computers from the ticket office and all of our ticket stock and all of our off, basically office supplies went in my office along with one or two other That's people. Incredible. It would have been a great still shot. Oh, and maybe yeah, I should send it to you yeah. and it could be part of, you know, our media yeah. press kit. Dude, please do. Yeah. yeah but, but I found it, uh, of course, too late, too little, too late. <laughs> but, um, but, but those are things that I think some people knew, but I think the film does capture what oh. that is. And, 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 yeah. and, you know, and to a degree, were we frustrated and pissed off and angry? Yeah, absolutely. Because you were kind of like, it was like you were an option, not a priority. We were. You know, and, and it was just like, oh, oh, well, okay, well, we'll come back to you as soon as we get done with this. That's correct. But really, the frustration was we had to have a potty pass just to use our regular bathroom. That story. <laughs> that's, that's, that's insane. That's a great that's story. Re- that's real. That's your house. That's real. That's and your house, but somebody yeah. else is living there, so you got to ask permission. Yeah, to use the restroom. And and and, and look, I, I understand you got security measures and all those things, but at the end of the day, uh, the franchise—not us, but the franchise—was absolutely a redheaded stepchild. And you know, it's um, you know, it's interesting uh, when Mr. Buffett told me years ago the reason why he bought the Omaha franchise or bought into the Omaha franchise was to save the College World Series. And when I first had him tell me that in his office and I was with Alan Stein, our former team president and one of my mentors. I looked at Alan, I looked at Mr. Buffett. 
wanting to ask a question. But when you're with Mr. Buffett, <laughs> you, don't you, keep your mouth you shut up yeah. and you listen because right. you have two ears and one mouth. I don't operate like that a lot, but I did in, in that, that situation. In, in that situation. Yeah. Get it. And yeah. his next comment was, because the age of the facility, we had to have a full-time tenant to make it easier and more affordable to keep the college uh, to keep the Rosenblatt up for the college world series at that time. It's common sense sure. when you stop right. and think about it. Oh yeah, okay, that's why you who you that's, are. That's because that was another thing that you guys uh, kind of peeled back some layers on it. I'd never thought of that side of it. That argument had never I'd never heard was the fact that you when they built TD Ameritrade there was so much controversy. I, rem- I mean we were at the time right you know having yeah. people on talking about that whole. It was just oh my god, and of course like. Exarbon to me was Rosenblatt to him, and so you know it's just heartbreak mm-hmm. when they rough. said we're we're tearing it down and we're going to build a new one and it's going to be bigger and it's like I don't want bigger and better this I is want fine. this one right yeah and then on top of it when they said you don't have to have a full time tenant think of all of the and Memorial Stadium was yeah. the one that really Alan clicked Stein's for me quote in the film mm-hmm. yes it's it's empty the rest of the year yeah. except for those few weekends that the Huskers play. And maybe eight, 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 eight to 10 dates a year. It was really interesting yeah. in our process. Also talking and getting other people inside minor league baseball and like their perspective on that whole thing. And again, just all of these layers that you don't think about. I think branch, uh, I think branch, branch Ricky had the quote. It might've, might've been Pat O'Connor branch. Ricky's president of Pacific coast league, uh, Pat O'Connor president of minor league baseball, but that like special scheduling for the whole division, all of their partners and how they have like what you have to do to keep a team on the road. And if, you know, if you've ever run any kind of athletic league or any kind of tournament, you got to have this balance of the seesaw. If somebody goes here, then this goes here. And you don't really think about that. Right. The ripples. Yeah. It was an impact to the Iowa Cubs. It was, I mean, for years, you know, they were, they, they continue to be our travel partner. And, you know, there are some years we were gone four city trips and some years it was five city trips. It just depended on how those dates fell. And I think, uh, I think it was I think it was Kevin Reichardt who runs Ballpark Digest pointed it out, too, that it, at least especially in those days um, where the philosophy for a long time was like or at some point in time became we're going to have like four or five big events and four or five big games. And we're going to, you know, whatever, make all our money or draw on. Father's Day, the 4th of July, and then you go, oh, wait, Omaha's never home on Father's Day? This is the first year. That's wow. That's that just that's, gave me goosebumps yeah, just thinking that. I was like, whoa, I never yeah. realized that. Yeah. that That's true. This is the first year, and I, I don't know. Definitely my time. Oh, I gotta it's funny because it'd always be the College World Series. Year, that's awesome. That's yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So How that's, excited so, are you so about come that? Out. <laughs> so come right? out. No, because I remember it would be like the opening wow. weekend of the series, and I would get the tickets, and I'd take the kids down for Father's Day. The series never even thinking that the yeah. Royals or Storm Chasers it could have been town. 30, 40 years. I, I don't know how long it's been. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're right. The effect is way bigger than just what was going on in Omaha. Absolutely. Everybody else had to accommodate the World Series as well. That's huh. the college yeah, it, World was, Series. it was interesting. I think it became, I think what, what I hope folks take away from that section of the film as a director, anyways, I don't know how Marty feels about this, but is especially by, by the point in time that TD came in and then Warner Park was built. And I think a lot of the, again, other folks in minor league baseball we talked about articulated this pretty well, that they really became different games. And Omaha's such a good baseball town. It's totally realistic 
that that can be supported. And, you know, on nights where there might be a college world series game, you could still go to Warner and it's pretty packed. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's not totally the same thing. Yeah. Seven games this year, head to head. We've never had more than five. Oh so wow. we have seven head to head this year. Because it's a good, because again, what you guys really did a great job in the documentary is talking about the experience of not only minor league baseball as a whole, but specifically out at um, Warner park. And so yeah. families that want to go out and have a good time, like I don't remember who said it in the film that the kid doesn't want to sit there for five innings and watch baseball. They want to have fun. Dude. So you're not going to take kids down to the series. Which and- drives me crazy, but yes. I know. I know. Yes. <laughs> baseball purists drives you nuts. It's perception is reality. I'll, I'll give yeah. you an example. My, my daughter's a, a senior now. Um, in high school out at Millard South, and we probably started going to Chasers games. You look like you're 18. You I know, he does. Are you, I, he seriously does. That's the end of the interview. This is, <laughs> that's ridiculous. You're lucky you I senior? shaved, dude. Yeah. That is insane. You're lucky I shaved or the 44 comes through a lot. <laughs> whatever, a lot whatever. More. That's hilarious. Um, oh, my God. But if you asked her, are you a baseball fan? She's like, oh, yeah, I love the Chasers. We had started going to games at Warner when she's maybe like 11, 12. I bet she has not watched three consecutive full innings. It's like, but she, it's two, a memory for her. Two and two Heck thirds, yeah. right? But at least her perception is, I like baseball, and so she'll sort of stop that's on cool. it. And and I know that's hard, you know. And much like a lot of people talk about in the film, I was, I mean, my dad. We went to Bears games. Zephyr's games in Denver. Here's the scorecard. Or you open up the program. Here's yeah. how you keep score. Like this is what yeah. you are doing. I think it's Tom Chattel from the World Herald makes that comment in the film. He does. And so it's really <laughs> different. And I know for purists, it's uh, you know, and it's like probably like Marty. It's even something I wrestle with sometimes, where I'm like, if you watch two innings, how can you say you're a fan? You want to go home? <laughs> you're but what? You're gonna go walk around? Yeah. What do you? But at least the thing <laughs> is, she doesn't want to go home yeah. after two and a half innings. What she wants to do is get up and walk around the berm, which is cool. Just kind of do that sort True. of. True. And you couldn't do that at TD Ameritrade. That's another thing. At, at like, Rosenblatt. Or at Rosenblatt. Rosenblatt. Yeah. Sorry, Rosenblatt. Yeah. You couldn't do that. You know, it's like this brought yeah. a whole nother, our, whole nother element our, to our it. Our art director told a story. Um, so Max Riffner is our art director for the films, Omaha native. Um, he did the illustrations where his dad was openly cursing at him when Max was probably like 10 or something <laughs> like that, where, okay, we're going to go into see, do you got what you need? Do you need to go to the bathroom? No, you're good. Okay. And they get in there. And then like two innings later, it's like, dad, oh. I got to stop. We <laughs> talked about this and you know, you got to get up and you got to kind of do the little shuffle and it's kind of uncomfortable, you know, totally. it's a plan. It is. It's a game plan going in for the, for the, the spectator. Even more so. Yeah. I might say you got, okay, get everything you need. We're going to go and we're sit. And then that's, that's it. it. That's Enjoy. It. And we want people up. Because yeah. that means they're spending money. Yes. So that's, yeah, yes. That's part of the design. That's been part of the change from the early 90s and definitely the difference from Rosenblatt. And TD's a little better, but it's still a – TD's a large cement building. I mean, that's what it is. There's no amenities uh, from the standpoint of the general fan. You go to watch a baseball game. So even though it's a 360 concourse, it's not the same stroll that you have at, at, at Warner Park when you're seeing lights and colors and dogs and people running on the berm and kids you playing catch. And all while you're doing that, yes. you can still Which see is the awesome. game. Yeah, from every yeah. angle, you can still you see can. the game. You know what, what? When you were talking about the College World Series, the CWS coming in and the officials, and I remember, and that's a, something that not a lot of people really understand. Like you had said, I didn't realize it was as extreme as that. But I, from you know the Bat Boy grounds crew, whatever, worker perspective, I remember, and Jesse Cuevas was my boss at the time, and he <laughs> was. Yeah. yeah, I, I love Je- Jesse. One quick story. Yeah. Jesse sent me a text last week. Yeah. You never cease to amaze me, period. 
That's it. Cat night? Question mark. <laughs> really? <laughs> We're having take me out to the ball game. Trust me. I know. Oh, it's God. already on my calendar. Uh, my yes. wife put it on her calendar. Oh my God. Yes. Anyway, she sorry, was, to, sorry no, to digress. My, my wife is so excited about cat. Take me out to the. Trust me. It's it's in August, right? <laughs> it's late in the year. Yeah, it's either yeah. all, late August oh, or early yeah. September. Yeah. I know it's already on. The, I'll I don't see even want to know what that involves. I'll see you then. Sorry to interrupt you. No, it's okay. But I remember like a month or so before the series or a few weeks and he would be stressing out because the officials would come in and they would go through and do like a checklist of everything that needed to be changed and Ugh. and you'd go through and the field would have to be perfect like you couldn't do anything as a grounds crew or as a bat boy like I got I, Jesse would yell at me all the time if I would throw throw a bat or something on the grass like by the logo if the series started in two days he'd suffered he'd scream <laughs> and I'm you know so I, I know that the, the, the tension was super high when the series would come in I don't think people really realized that it was an absolute life change for everybody there when it was like two or three I, weeks before. It'd be like somebody coming in and moving all the furniture in your house. Right. Well, and, and it's like, no, no, no. It is. I mean, operationally, yeah. the NCAA looks at uh, whether it was Rosenblatt or whether it's TD as their building, mm-hmm. not our building. And they use it for three, it's theirs for, you know, they're here, the their event's three weeks, and the other parts of the year we get we get to borrow. I mean, that's, that is how, and that's what you're explaining, and, mm-hmm. and that is just through conversations I've had with Jesse and a number of others. And I wouldn't say that that's a bad thing, but it, when, you, when mm-hmm. you take that concept, take it to where the other operational folks are trying to operate, or were trying to operate the Omaha Royals, Omaha Golden Spikes, the other time during the season, there were things that would be asked from the professional baseball team that would be told no out of, I don't want to say fear, maybe that's not the right word, but that doesn't fit the box. They don't that doesn't deal fit with the it. mold. So when, yeah. the two, mm-hmm. when the two stadium conversations started and everybody looked at us, uh, you know, like we had eight horns on top of our head, and I reminded them I only have two, not eight, <laughs> is, is it was hard for us to explain why because – Des Moines is the closest affiliated baseball uh, facility that that we have here. When you're North Carolina, there's seven teams in Pennsylvania, and they found that out when they were doing the film. All those facilities had changed. They were all the amenities. They were the 360 concourse. That was the biggest Mm. thing is we had to open Warner so people could understand why to. So for three years, we took our lumps. We did. We took our lumps, and that was fine, you know, because the reality is – you know, we have 70 professional baseball games a year. We have more than 100 special events, and now we're adding professional soccer team. Without Warner Park, yeah. professional soccer would not right. be coming, you know, to which the state awesome. to, or to the city, which cool. another topic. Yeah. But that's what Warner Park has meant. It is truly a community destination. It's not used for three weeks and maybe another handful of special events. I mean, it literally is used, you know, close to 200 times, and it's only pretty much used from March 15th until October 1. That building is busy. That's amazing. I didn't realize you had that That's, lake so close to your uh, stadium. We were driving by there the other day. I'm like, there's water over there. And Beth yes. got on the GPS. Like, holy crap. Yeah. It's a humongous lake right yeah. there. Yeah, Prairie Queen is awesome. One of the things that Rob said in the, in the documentary was saying we have 72 opportunities a year. Never thought of it in those terms before. You get 365 days. We have 72 opportunities. And you just mentioned now you're up to closer to... Well, we're seventy. You're seventy. We're down to seventy. It used to be seven. It used to be one hundred forty-four divided by two. Now okay. there's one hundred forty divided by two. We've lost some games due to some major league, minor league um, 
conversations. Uh, <laughs> well put. And again, another topic for another day. Um, but but we're now able to have more than the 72 we had at Rosenblatt because of the community dates. And we manage the building, you know, along with Sarpy County. Uh, it, but, you know, from an attendance perspective, 65 plus percent of our fans still come from Douglas County, yeah. 25, around 25 percent, you know, come from Sarpy County. So it is the community ballpark. It's not Papillion's or Sarpy County's ballpark. Truth. It's the communities. And, and now with soccer coming in, it's going to be more statewide. It's yeah. awesome. so I, I want to go back to something that you guys were talking about yeah. with the stadiums and other places and whatnot. And I think because it was really interesting um, some of our, our support staff mentioned this and some people that mentioned this at the, at the screeners, I don't think people locally understood the experience gap from about 95 until Warner came up as to what was going on elsewhere in minor league baseball. And I think that a lot of folks the perception was like the the old school experience at Rosenblatt, which was is still what was going on. And I even remember a very different, like my senior year, we got the Rockies and we got the Sky Sox. And even though um, I think Colorado Springs facility, I don't know where it ranks now, but at the time it was this like, you know, so at first you're like, well, we, we have the Rockies now. Why would I drive an hour to go to the Sky Sox? And like, no, 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 it's crazy. It's different. There's a hot tub in left field. It's nuts. It's party. Yeah. All of these right. different, like, um, you know, and I think there's that part in the film where you can really start to see them laying out minor league baseball as a whole was changing the experience, but Omaha wasn't quite able to do that for quite a while. We did what we could, you know. I mean, the kids' area. I always joke. You had a kids' area, Rosenblatt, yeah. But then you had a concession stand. Then you had a team store. Then you had a wall. Then you had a concourse. Then you had another concession stand. And then you had another wall. And then you had the seating. And then you had the game. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that's changed the most is is the viewable assets that are in facilities. And we sat here and joked about not scoring anymore as far as, far as during while you're watching a game and and all the different things that you know, people like to get up and walk around, Mm -hmm. you know, that has, that has changed. And, you know, we have modified, you know, our industry the last 30 plus years. I mean, I think it's up to 137 ballparks are either new or completely renovated since 1990 of 160. And, you know, when you're talking about $5 billion in facilities and another 1 billion in renovations, that's all since the early 90s. The game has changed. The well, game absolutely has. Watching Look. 50 Summers, I, I got to say, just see, it It really took me, kind of took me off guard uh, how I would feel seeing the pictures and videos of Rosenblatt. Because oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, other than, I haven't looked at my pictures in a long time. I haven't <laughs> seen pictures of Rosenblatt in a long time. So seeing that for the first time, it's like, oh man. And I hadn't seen, because we didn't have cameras everywhere with us back when I was working there. I haven't seen what it looked like in the dugout and see those old wooden uh, uh-huh. like the the steps and the bars and how the bleachers looked like it was awesome so anybody that's been around minor league baseball college world series or omaha the royals organization that's been to rosenblatt even one time needs to see this movie because it takes you back like you it's like you can smell it again mm-hmm. you can they, oh they, it was they, awesome they did you know dan and his team did an amazing job of capturing that yes and um you know, some of the footage that we also found was the the old black and white uh, that just kind of happened, and it was great to see you know that that footage that was that was added in there. You guys found, I mean, so 
all, all of those resources, all of those visual resources in one way or another came for the chasers. The, um, we had 16, there, we found, or I shouldn't say we, two reels of 16 millimeter film were found from mm-hmm. 69 and 70, which we converted. <laughs> and That's one cool. of their people are like, they called us and were like, hey, um, <laughs> we cracked open a pallet and these no tins way. fell out of this box. Do you guys want? And we we're like, yes. Yes, all the tins. Um, what are they? All the yeah. tins. <laughs> no, 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 no. You think I said I want a lot of tins. I want all, all the, the tins. tins. All the tins. So we took it to Omaha Trans Video, uh, which, is, which is great because you have to have that stuff converted. Um, and really awesome guy, Joe out there, you know, and we don't know, we've, you know, I mean, we're kind of looking at it, you know, and it's, it's funny again, Max and our art director, our art director, were old enough that like, we remember doing photo stuff by chemicals and they, the two of them smell differently. So we're like, oh, well, I wonder what they used on this. Um, but we still don't know what's on there and they convert it and Joe calls us and he's like, yeah, um, your conversion's done. You, you probably want to come on down and you gotta love look to hear at that. Stuff. Oh my God. That's it's incredible. like, okay, you want to sit down yeah. before I hit play. Yeah. Right. And you okay. just, and you just yeah. see like a young Bob Quinn who I just, you know, I was in his house, I don't know, 10 months earlier going like, oh wow, this is incredible. Uh, so we got really like, they had a ton, ton of resources at, um, that was probably tougher than um, the story stuff at some point. I mean, that's what I'm, you know, employed to do. I've, uh, I've done 15 or 16 documentaries. Um, Bill was probably uh, um, had enough foresight to realize that I was probably had gotten to a point that I could manage this story wise, but it was the resources that I just was like, Holy, what do we do? And then they had the foresight to store some of that stuff. And well, but most most sports organizations don't do a good job, and I'm really referring to minor league baseball organizations. <laughs> and I, it's, but I mean, the reality is, who kept it all was Bill Gorman. Bill kept everything, though, so it was good God that he kept him. it. But yeah. he had other things. It, it's it's been kind of funny over the years, and you know, Bill unfortunately passed away before this film was completed. I believe it was spring of seventeen, a, a couple years, uh, yeah, that, less, that, yeah. That Bill wow. passed and. Uh, I've gotten to know his son, Will, and a uh, great guy, and we, we renamed the offices during the 50th season. It's the Bill Gorman Administrative Offices, and then we renamed the press box, uh, Piv's Press Box. So after I Steve, Steve Pivovar, one of our long-term, long, he was a long-term beat writer, and he continued working uh, even uh, close up until the time he passed away. Uh, in, in, in 16, he uh, was official scorer for years for the Pacific Coast League. So those are the things that we've tried to do. We've tried to, you know, you know, Dan talks about us having these archives. The history is important to me. It's something oh. that's important. Yeah. I'm not from here, but I get it. Uh, the history of the game is important. Um, that's why a lot of these things that are happening in today's game uh, mm-hmm. with today's commissioner are quite troubling. And, you know, I think I, I think that he's a bad steward of our game. I think he's terrible for our game, quite honestly, for a number of reasons. And it saddens me, uh, you know, that it's all about the Benjamins. It's all about mm-hmm. the money. And I think one of the things with Bud Seeley, although – None of us are perfect. I'm far from it. But Seelig, at least even through all the things he did to grow the game, he still always said they had a, they had a fundamental responsibility to, to, to be the caretaker of the game, to be stewards of the game, not to be the owners of the game. Yeah. And those are two polar opposite things. Whip your vision into shape right there, yo, with Coogler Vision. Uh, we love that they're a supporter of our podcast. Absolutely. Uh, they've got some great things that are happening on their website. If you haven't been there recently at CooglerVision.com, it already was 
so user-friendly. If you'd thought about having any of the procedures done um, and so many different procedures, it's not just one procedure, one size fits all. But interestingly, you'll find over 600 five-star patient reviews, which is amazing. The number of people that are, are taking advantage and saying, you know what? 2020 is going to be my year. And, and I think there, there were a couple of them that were talking about, uh, making improvements that 2020 is the year right? Yep. They're ready to go. And, and one of the first ones was vision. I said what Gary said too. Dr. Kluger's, Kluger's office is amazing. They are amazing because you have cookies and they have delicious like flavored waters. They and, do. Oh, and then they're also great doctors too. And that too. Don't yeah. forget. <laughs> uh, they said that the staff made the procedure a breeze. That's from Natalia. I especially enjoyed the surgery prep in a massage chair I mean, covered by a blanket, drinking some tea. I was relaxed, anxiety gone. I wish I'd done this years sooner. Now to make it even simpler, you can text them. The number to text is 72000. You want to text C Omaha, two words, to 72000. I did that. And you will get back a response that will first ask you to confirm. So I text back yes. And then it sent me a link. And when you go to the page, um, it, of course, welcomes you. And then it's got some real quick questions about what it is that you're looking for. And then I got a follow-up phone call real quick. And super nice, Nicole called, and she's there just to make sure that you got the information you wanted. And if you had any further questions, she was there to help you out. Get that consultation now at Kugler Vision. You can yes. also go to kuglervision.com. And tell them Pat and JT sent you. When you talk about the history too, it's kind of interesting with referencing Bull Durham in the movie and how that kind of spiked interest. Um, but the way Bull Durham and the way all of those teams are portrayed it's understandable why everybody's shocked that there's any history saved at all because it, right. it, it all seems like yes. it's slapped together and it's yeah. just like whoever we can get to fill a seat. We need a warm body. Um, right. You know, some are broke down. Some don't know what they're doing. They don't know their head from their For a while, other it, end. it was like You know, that. and it's, yeah, and it's, it's just, it's fun to look at that and then realize the resource. It just, it's, it's unbelievable. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and it's funny, JT, because at the time, and one reason why there aren't archives of that, that's when major league clubs owned the minor league clubs. When these started becoming local owned entities or mm-hmm. owned entities by folks that, you know, didn't have the means to own major league franchises, but they have the means to own minor league franchises like a Gary Green. Um, I wouldn't put Mr. Buffett in there because he could have owned right. the whole, whole <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever he wanted. But Gus, you know, Gus Cherry, who was the first you know non Royals owner, and told that story in the. In how late did the, the Royals the own? Eighty five. Because it surprised me how late yes. it was. Yeah, it really 16, did surprise 16, me. 17, somewhere, 18, in the mid, somewhere in the mid eighties, I think, was. is when is when Gus. Um, when Gus bought the team, I think my we, first uh, my first year was eighty seven or eighty eight. I don't remember. It was about when Gus Cherry had just. Like that was like the first or second season. Because okay. I remember meeting that him. He was always right yeah. there by the little stairs that would go down behind home plate. He would always sit right there. That makes and sense. Yeah. Very nice. Because there, there's him. that had, shot where we took the two baseballs yeah. that you guys had. Because you guys so cool had caught had had saved the ball from his first game and marked it, and then the ball from his last game. That was so a we very had like cool a really touch. cool shot. Ah. That was really um, cool. There's so many serendipity. I want to go back to Gorman for a minute because this is like hilarious. Um, I'm so <laughs> glad we got to talk to Will. Um, and here's basically how that went down is Marty texts me and he's like, Hey, are you guys going to talk to Will Gorbin? I was like, yeah, that'd be great. When's he here? And Marty's like, well, he's here now. <laughs> like, oh, it was like a oh. Friday night or something like that. I'm like, Shh. It, was a Sunday, <laughs> it was a Sunday afternoon <laughs> yeah. game and it was hot as hell Yeah, and ended up getting him in. No, it wasn't. I think it was, it was a Saturday night. I think you're yeah. right. Cause he was ended up being night, uh, um, 
Uh, Branch Ricky was a Sunday afternoon. Yes, so but we planned we yeah. planned on Branch. So yeah. I text my DP and I was like, James, what are you doing right now? <laughs> and actually, he's like, Well, I'm at I'm at the game. I'm at the Chasers game with Lacey, his wife. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I hate to do this to you, but if I go bring all the gear, I didn't realize that this was like Will Gorman's here is his only night. James is like, Yeah, of course, of course. So I hit the studio, pack up my car, we haul it down there, get there like just in time. He was super cool. He was super um, gracious to sit with. But it just thankfully I don't live too far from Warner Park. That's yeah. Fun. Uh, but we just kind of missed. Oh my god. And then speaking of Gus Cherry, oh man, there was a really, um, we were trying to get, so Jamie Uretsky that was in the film um, kind of represents um, Gus's time. Jamie's his nephew. Yes. Um, That's and, a, that was a weird connection as well. I don't know if you remember it. Yeah, I, 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 tell, tell me again, Marty. So was, walking we, around we the ballpark with, with one of our uh, Pepsi contacts, That's walking around the ballpark and... I don't even remember the gentleman's name. He was viewing the ballpark, and he said, yeah, I know a guy that used to be tied to the Omaha franchise, a guy named Jamie Uretsky. I'm like, okay, great. Who, who's Jamie? Well, he's uh, related to one of the former owners, and my ears perked up. And it was all about the same time we were trying to find Jamie Uretsky because Jesse Cuevas had, had given me his name, and we were trying to locate him. He was in Kansas City area, and I, for whatever reason, in my Google and tech skills aren't very good, but uh, and then and then we and then we connected the dots. The gentleman gave me his cell phone number. Yeah. I called him. He said yes. I hooked Dan up with him, and then Jamie came up and right across the street over in their studios uh, was was Jamie. Was That's awesome. Because yeah. like we found like Casey Long. Casey found a Facebook page uh, that looked to be his, so we sent him a message, but it maybe wasn't really managed that much. So so we were trying to get a hold of this person. And then, lo and behold, you know, Marty through the Pepsi distributor. I mean, um, random. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You never know. Total Omaha moment. uh, Yeah. Bill Bill Gorman, um, he was there at the time when I was there. And I remember my... Um, Cause Will would hang out too at the, at the ballpark. He did. He, he was a bad yeah. boy. He, he worked was. as a clubby. He, Will did a lot Will, of, things. I think Will was the clubby, the visiting clubby home clubby. Yeah. I think he was one of the, one of two clubbies when I was there anyway. So um, I remember my first year, a couple of, I said a couple of stories. He's was a great oh, guy. Awesome. He, um, <laughs> I, I would go on the road with the Royals. My first year I was super pumped. I was way, I, I knew no, like I had no boundaries. Right. I would like, I would, <laughs> how old are you? How old are you at this time? 13, 14. <laughs> You know, whatever. So I, but, but, you know, and Terry Wendland was there in the office. And so I remember asking, who was the, I don't know who was the manager at the time. It might've been, uh, John Wathen or Salonessi. I don't remember. Not a Salonessi. Um, Sal Rendi. Anyway, I'm asking my, can I go on the road with you guys? It's just a Des Moines, it's just a bus. I'll just go over there. My dad will pick me up afterwards. I'll stay with, uh, I think Mike McFarlane was, I'll stay with Mac. And he said, I can stay. It's cool. He's like, dude. You got to go talk to Gorman and ask him if you can go because it's his ultimate. And then they have to clear it through Gus. Like, okay, I didn't even know. Well, at that time, I'm like, I don't care who I, I talk to. Who? I'm gonna go I'll go road. find him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went up there and finally I had to like pitch my case to, to um, Gorman. And he finally let me go. Yeah. He's like, you know what? That's fine. He goes, you have to cover. It was, a, it was, you have to cover something, whatever. And my dad's like, yeah, sure. So he let me go. And it's Gus a great experience. Go. How many times incredible. did you go to away games with, um, with the team? I went do you think? to Des Moines a couple times. And then I went on a, during the series, I went on a seven or eight day road trip with them wow. to Louisville, went to the sounds. Holy cow. That was it the was, old American it, association. And, yes, it and was. And where did you get to sleep? On the floor. On <laughs> whatever, man. I, I'm like, whatever. I'll stay. I went, I think I stayed in like five different rooms. Like, uh, there, well, it was, because it was, I mean, you think about it at the time too, you get the baseball players. 
and they, they've got their own groupies. Of course. Oh, that yeah, oh, yeah. There, there was one not to be named player that I remember wait, wait, kicking the side of my mattress, and he goes, "Safford, you got to go down and stay with Hurley." I'm like, "What?" I look up, and he's got two blondes on each arm. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't even know what this means, but Why? I'm fine. Whatever. I'm they going. can sleep by me. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. They want to watch TV with me. Yeah. Magnum's on. That never happens anymore. Never, <laughs> ever, ever. never. But dude, that, that brings up a th- an interesting thing from the film again, which I don't know why, but I guess I just I just didn't get it. I know about Sheldon, Ron Sheldon's experience, but that Bull Durham was so accurate. Everyone that we talked to at that had been around were even to the point it, it this part, you know, like if you the remember, women's underwear part wasn't right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking. About that. I mean, <laughs> okay, you'd, have no. to talk to a, you'd have to talk to a player. I'm Never sure know. there's some pictures. Are, I can say right. from experience, pictures are, are weird dudes, man. <laughs> we have we have weird um, superstitions. But especially lefties. Especially lefties, dude. Yeah, I got to own that, man. Hey, I, I, wore, I used the same batting glove the entire summer. I mean, it smelled like oh, a, I'm sure, I yeah. a dead raccoon on I my think hand. about what I you know put my mom through when <laughs> oh, she would be like, don't wash that uniform. What are you talking about? She's like, oh, oh there's like God. smoke coming off. Oh. <laughs> but no, there's, there's that scene in Bull Durham where they flood the field so they can't, so they can get a day off. And in real, you know, and even, you know, watching that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's funny. I'm sure that's Hollywood. Not only did Jack I didn't realize this until I was posting it in post-production. I'm like, oh my God, these are different stories from different years. Jack McKean and Jesse told stories from different years where they did that in Omaha. At Rosenblatt. I didn't didn't know that until I watched the movie last night. I had no clue. I thought that was incredible. That's hilarious. And that's what, um, you know, thank goodness that we had like our art director, you know, Max, because the thing with that scene is like, talking to Jack McKean was amazing. But, you know, he's that's probably like an eight and a half minute story. And I can't have an eight and a half minute story in the film. Uh. So once I I tighten it up, I'm like, what am I? There's certainly no B-roll of these players, Um, you know, but thankfully we're so lucky. Max, our art director, was a comic book artist. Like he's done a bunch of indie comics. He's done a bunch of SpongeBob. He's he's an illustrator. So he was like, oh, yeah, let me. So I thought that added like a fun little thing to the Mm -hmm. to the film. Um, but yeah, those, those stories I, I love, are I what's love, so cool about minor leagues. And the, all of them like flooded back last night when I saw the, the, the images of Rosenblatt. Um, there was a, a gentleman in the movie. I don't remember who it was, but told a quick story about how he ran out to catch the ball off the net. Yes. Got caught his cleat in his pants and he fell. And I'm like, and that, that was that what ex- that stuck with me too. When you told that's that story, Steve, that's Steve Rosenblatt. That was, was excited. That's why I was like, whose son was that? That was the son Johnny, of Johnny Rosenblatt. Yes. Son, yeah. That, yeah. that thing, ha- that exact thing happened to me. <laughs> Cause I, after I was at that point, my first year as the, uh, the net guy, Tony Vendetti retired, went on to hall of net hall of fame. <laughs> so I was the new net guy. Right. And, um, yeah, it was, it was the, okay. This, this same thing happened to you should have talked to him. I'm just telling you right I'm now. You, you missed it. You missed a you resource missed here. Okay. Um, th- this thing happened. Both of these things happened the same night. Set 15, 16,000 people there. The San Diego chicken was there that night. Packed, right? And I saw that last night. I'm thinking, God, all this stuff. What's going on? I thought I was crying. And so that, that, I was in the locker room and it was during whatever innings or that he takes a break, right? It was hot. So hot. And I walked in. First of all, it messed me up because he had his head off smoking. I'm like, What? You know, because you weren't supposed to. First of all, you could. He was kind of a. I don't know if you guys know him. But kind of a Ted. jerk. He was kind Good of a old jerk. Ted. That's all I'll say. You're not, supposed, all you're not supposed to talk to the chicken. That's what, I didn't want to talk to the chicken. But so I like walk in. Wizard? He's literally sitting there on a, on a folding chair 
smoking with his head underneath his arm. So I'm kind of rattled, right? And I go back out. I had to get some more uh, mudded up balls for the umps. And I got them and I ran back out underneath the net. And and I kind of sprinted back and made it back just in time for the pitch. I hear it. I know that sound when it's not a solid. It goes back up on the net. And I hear the of the vinyl. I'm like, oh, where is it? Where's the ball? Turn around. I see it. Everybody, they anticipated that at the time because that was kind of a thing. If you caught it, you got to cheer. They hadn't updated the nets yet. On the <laughs> first base side of the net, there was a little lip. And if it hits that lip, all bets are off. You have no idea where it's going. So, of course, it hits that side. I was still rattled because I had the chicken smoking. And I'm not thinking. And I go out and I, I get right on the edge of the um, warning track and the grass. And it pops up. And off to the left, it shoots. I try to get it. I miss it. I just boo, popcorn coming down on me. And as I'm walking back, I pick it up. Just shame, right? Walking back, open up the gate, and right in the face, a hot dog. Somebody whacked some dude, some drunk dude, threw a hot dog at me. And that was just, and then everybody cheered because I hit with a hot dog. What what happened to the hot dog? Oh, my God. Well, I was fat, so I probably ate it. <laughs> Did you come back out? I oh, had to. Had it was to. a gamer. Oh, my God. So it was so hot. But those are those are the kind of memories when I saw that are the things you think of when you see those awesome yeah. vi- the video and the pictures of Rosenblatt. Man, what a great time! Oh my god, a great place! I don't think there's anything more indicative of growing the fact that you grew up in the '70s or the '80s. The idea that like you could actually see the San Diego chicken with his mask off, <laughs> smoking, smoking, like, smoking, that is, that smoking is, a heater, right? <laughs> Not vaping in a car. He's no. smoking in a locker room. <laughs> Openly. Awesome. What's up, kid? Yeah. Right. Uh, don't look Which at me. Takes you right back to Bull Durham when you think about some of the scenes that you saw in that. And it's like, again, you say that really happened. That mm-hmm. really happened. So Yeah, I had, I had no idea. Everyone that we talked to. So w- when we go to structure the minor league baseball story part of it, um, you know, very basic question that we ask all of the, our, 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 our folks Hey, you know, can you give me three or four turning points in minor league baseball? And I, I, you know, even, you know, making this film as recently as two years ago, I didn't realize every single person said like, oh yeah, Bull Durham. Bull Durham was like a turning point for the industry itself. And I just didn't get, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that till last night. It never crossed my mind. I love that movie. You were already immersed. True. Uh, true. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's, it's in, like, yeah. it's like it brought in a whole different crowd. It's like what a lot of movies do in their sports movies in particular. It's all of a sudden you'll see this resurgence of interest. And I guess like and, they were, they were an A-ball team at the time of the film, I guess is what the story is. Some, I think Mike Burling was telling oh, me. Oh yeah. And that yeah they, Durham, Durham has not been AAA very long and it's, which is quite amazing because they are one of the top three or four franchises in all of minor league baseball. And, yeah, they were an A-ball club for years and playing in, you know, a small ballpark, which now people, you know, have a love for because of the film. But operationally, you know, and I, I was able to go tour that. They hosted the AAA All-Star Game the year before we did in 2014. And uh, to be able to go out and tour it and see it, and yeah, it, w- it was awesome, but it was also like, What's special about this? It looks like a high school field. I mean, we went, we went and shot it. So it's only like, which that was so cool. Um, Sammy Anzari, our our drone operator, he was our, our, our DP for our North Carolina shoot. We went out there and got, and yeah, you're kind of like, it's so iconic, but you're like, this is like a high school field. Like it just a is, there's just school. not yeah. much to it. Yeah. A small, <laughs> a small school. Um, <laughs> you're just like, wow. Um, it's, it's pretty, I mean, you know, there's, there's really no seats except behind, you know, home plate and the 
grandstands and the dugouts, mm-hmm. there's certainly nothing down the line. I mean, it's just, it was like, wow, that's really crazy. Um, and there are new facilities. Oh, it's amazing. The DAP. Yeah. Durham Athletic Park is just amazing. And downtown Durham is, you know, that whole area just yeah. continues just to explode. Yeah. And, but Mike, uh, who, who's a really close friend of mine, and uh, he was, you know, gave us access. And, oh, so and wonderful. It, it, uh, it's good to have friends. Yeah. No kidding. That, well, for you, how many of the small, both of you actually, how many of the small parks have you been able to see? Well, I've been in a lot because I've been in, I've been, I was in the Southern League for four years in Jackson, Tennessee, Birmingham for two years. Then I moved to the Midwest League, Battle Creek, Michigan for two years. That's where, you know, there are a number of smaller mm-hmm. parks are there. I have not spent uh, a lot of time uh, in a lot of the rookie ball parks and a ball, lower A ball parks. Andrea Bedore on our staff has. She, anytime she goes on vacation, she always hits a ball park or 10. And just to uh, just to go tour them, so yeah. she would be a great ask about that. But you know, a, a lot of them though still have either been built new or completely rebuilt. I can't believe there's as many as there are when you're talking 160. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, that is. There are that's today. Just, that's we're and hope, they're all we're, we're they're all operational. They are absolutely. That's yeah. something I think else. that's and I think that's an interesting thing in in the film without you know sidetracking with diving too much what's going in on today but like you know Mike Burling said from Durham that at the time everybody was there was very negative for them to build that ballpark but that entire downtown like there in Durham in the field there is a restaurant in left field that like if you get outdoor patio seating you're just like chilling watching the game it's catching, ridiculous. catching home runs yeah that's it, incredible but it's, it's not in the ballpark though it's, it's you know, outside it's out, outside of it and and burling noted in durham all of that economic development all that whole area there's like a whole district around that place it's super cool really wasn't there apparently until mm-hmm. it built around the and ballpark. it's been slow it's been slow to build like a lot of lot of uh, facilities and a lot of communities yeah. do and it depends on you know i mean when you build you build yeah. and you build like in the height of a recession like mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade well, yeah. Park. It. i didn't realize that the same yeah. year i mean it was only two in the country yeah it opened that year but when yeah. you think about taking these minor league teams out of these communities that mm-hmm. don't have th- that this is it for them and then even no other pro you, sports yeah and then even when you get s- smaller, when you go to like cities that maybe have double A or single A, you're talking, um, you know, they might not have as many other things going on as Omaha does. Like some of these places, like they have nothing. Is just what they I mean, got. This Bur- is, Burlington, Iowa, true. for example. What else is, right. are you going to do if you don't go to a bees game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that that's true. Omaha, you know, when you hear people talking about Omaha just in general, that's why I like just the idea that the movie's going to be out there. Because of so much history. And for a lot of people that are fans, it's not going to be a surprise because they already knew all these things or, or were pretty eh, pretty up on it. But for people that are going to go see it that have, have don't have that same connection, or maybe they have their own team in another, they, they just like, I have a major baseball league team or major league baseball team they watch. Um, this is like an eye-opener to see Omaha. There's a lot going on in this town. And you're right. There is. The, the people that really do support their baseball, and, and they really show up to support by the same token, the College World Series. They're Absol- still, absolutely. they have yeah. no dog in the fight and they'll still go down there because it was baseball. And, and it was a would, tradition and it's fun. It is. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And I just, I will, uh, one compliment to you that maybe I didn't make before when you were talking about making that move every year for the College World Series so that th- the people on the outside had no idea. And that's why it was so shocking when I saw that and when I heard what you were talking about. You guys do such a great job or did such a great job. Thankfully, you don't have to do that anymore. That nobody 
nobody realized, and even for the team, you know, because you never heard the grumbles. You never heard. Well, when you have an abusive uncle, nobody ever tells you about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Uncle Rick's coming to reason. I, I, I was about to say, thank you, I think. Right. 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 You know, right. you, know, you hit it well. <laughs> we, we talked about that. I mean, we did. We talked about it internally. You know, it's, 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 I wouldn't go as far as say we're taking one for the team. I mean, I guess to a degree, maybe you could, but at the end of the day, we're, we are professionals yep. and we were professionals then. And, um, are there things we would have done differently? Probably not. I think, I think our staff, uh, Rob Crane and Lori Schlender and Andrea Bedore and the uh, Mark Nasser, who's been with the franchise for a while, you know, and, and all the people that were there that aren't there anymore, we're just yeah. doing our jobs. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we go back to the full time versus three weeks. You know, we all live here. Yeah. We're all part of this community. Yeah. We're involved in Rotary or ALS or we're involved in our churches or, you know, Girl Scouts, whatever. Pick whatever it is. And that's the one thing that, that I think is important. And I think if there's anything I can get across to anybody this year, we've had two terrible weather years at the ballpark. We're in year 10 now. Ballpark's not new anymore. And there's a lot of competition. If anybody hasn't been to a Chasers game in two or three years, come to a Chasers game. Yeah. If you came to two last year, come to four. We don't need everybody to buy season tickets, although we would be appreciative of that. <laughs> but, this makes but, it so much easier. <laughs> but, but, but I think people have, have become a little complacent and a little comfortable, uh, as have we maybe, and we're mm-hmm. trying to do some new things. We joke about the take, you know, the the, meow. the cat night at the ballpark. My wife never would have said, "Hey, we're going to go yeah. to a baseball game." But <laughs> hey, take me out to the ballpark. She's going to be there. We'll I can't be wait there. to see your cat on a leash. It's going to be that's awesome. I'm, that's all I'm envisioning. I'm just like, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> I don't even know this how is... it's going to work, but we're going to be there. <laughs> well, you said at the beginning of the film, it's not like it's not a job for you. It's you. You look at this like you're getting up and going to. You're not going to work. Yeah. No, no. We 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 feel that we're stewards of the game. We feel that we're an an outlet uh, for people to come out and have a great time. They want to watch baseball. They're going to see the top talent. And wow, do the Royals have some talent coming in this year and in the next two or three years. It's going to kind of be like 10, 2010 through 2013. So I urge people not to miss that. But it is. I I think if there's anything that we need to do a bit better job is it's marketing or selling the fact that come support your team, not our team, not our organization, not our franchise, but your team. And I think the film is a little bit of a reminder in watching it again uh, this past week. The film's a little bit of a reminder of that. And I think they did a great job of telling the story. And trust me, when I'm sitting at a press event in June of 12 and Warren Buffett leans over to Gary Green and says, just remember, Gary, this isn't your team. It's the community's team. That's right before Gary took the keys to the franchise. And, and, <laughs> no pressure. But, but, but his words yeah. are true. His words yeah. are true. And you know what? Like I said earlier, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. But we feel like, at least for the 14 years that I've been here, we feel like we're really trying to do Can a good job yeah. for the what community to, to be proud of of, of this are. AAA we organization. Very, very proud. I'm so glad. Story. 14 years has gone fast. It has. That's for sure. Because, I mean, has. Rob was on our show regularly. Mm-hmm. And he's been, gone wow. since, he's been gone since 12. And I feel like he just left. Right. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. crazy. We not, watch his Not to me. Not right. to me. <laughs> he hasn't been gone long enough. <laughs> Couldn't get him out of here quick enough. Oh, my God. Um, one more question, too, about the movie, the narration with Rob Riggle. Yeah, how, how did that come about? I mean, serendipity. Like, like, it was it was recognizable, but it wasn't like it wasn't like oh my god, there he's talking again. He does a really yeah. good job, but then at the end, then I see his name again. That's who that is because I knew who it was. I think, but I but it also worked perfectly because like you want with a narrator, you don't want them to be the star of the show, but you want them to be 
um, recognizable so that yeah, it's a comfort level. Yeah, you to add some, some stuff to it. So uh, when you go to book a narrator for this a, is a great a, story, a, by a documentary, um, you're, you're looking for one of two things. Um, you're looking for somebody who's like really intrinsic in that world. Um, you know, if I'm going to do whatever, um, uh, a show about, um, chefs and, and that's really who I'm, I'm aimed for. If I can have the most respected chef in the world as our narrator, like, okay, you get credibility there. Right. You're, you're, lo- you're looking for, you're looking for credibility. You talk about um, a unicorn too, cause you don't always have somebody who speaks well. Yeah, it's that's it's part of that really, world, right? So that's yeah. So, that's tough. so what you do, and and it's typical, like as the director and writer, so like I write all the narration. Most of your your director, or your film writer is going to do that, and then it's like, okay, you know, the other type of person that you would you would pick is somebody who has like a really high profile, but two things: they're going to have to have some kind of tie to it, um, and then also like budgets. Um, <laughs> so we're thinking, you know, Bill and I, you know, we're talking about who we want to do this with. And you're thinking about Omaha ties. And then, and then some of it is like, you have to have people that have like a narration voice. So you think about, um, you know, um, like Adam Devine is who I love, but I don't know that his voice carries as a narrator, even if he would want to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we start thinking about, um, and I want to say my daughter and I had just seen Ant-Man and the Wasp and I'm like, oh, all the big slick guys. And it clicked that I'm like, there's all of like Riggle, Paul Rudd, Sudeikis, all of those guys from Kansas City. I'm like, that's that could be like a perfect tie in. So we reach out, you know, we reach out to their management um, and, and realize that we're on the board with the kind of PBS rate that people would be like, you know, Rob might be he might be interested in this. I'm like, Oh, awesome. Um, and so we're waiting and then we're getting to it to be like showtime. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, so we got to go. Um, I've got a guy I've worked with on a bunch of my other extreme sports narration, uh, on those films guy named Matt Marshall. Matt's on his honeymoon in Italy, but he's such a great dude. We've worked together for like 20 years. He's like, Hey, we got a day off. So I'm finding studios in Italy. I get an email. Rob would love to do this. How's tomorrow afternoon? Uh, well, what? Fantastic. Yes, that's okay. Great. That's perfect. So he, uh, Rob had an afternoon. He had like a morning shoot for a cameo on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then was off in the afternoon. So we're looking for studios in Burbank. But meanwhile, at the same time, so, you know, now Bill and, and his agents are doing all the, you know, agents, producer stuff. So I still haven't got full confirmation yet. So I have to act as if. So I pull this 24-hour day. I stay up because of the time difference. I produce Matt. Matt goes into the studio in Italy and records a version for us. Oh, yeah. 7 a.m., our time, get the email from, from Rob's people. Cool. Everything's great. And at the meantime too, I'm calling studios in LA and you know, a dumb Midwestern, you know, I'm like, Oh, they're going to be so pissed. Like nobody's going to have a studio where I'm like, Hey, on no time, I need an hour. So we call a couple of the places. This is agent suggest really nice girl working the desk. She was from Wisconsin. Awesome. Um, <laughs> another Midwesterner. So I'm like, Hey, I know this is insane, but, um, I need a studio for an hour this afternoon. And she's like, well, who's it for? And I was like, Oh, it's Rob Riggle and her doing, and she laughs and is like, Oh, she's like, Hey dude, no, no, no. <laughs> this happens all the time. We actually have a studio that we just keep on for people coming and doing ADR. 
because oh in gosh. LA, as you start thinking about TV, that's a lot of where it would just be like, oh, hey, we need your pickup shot. You come in, come in here. So Rob shows up, um, is super amazing, um, such a good dude. First thing that he does, which is just absolutely no reason for him to do this, but like he congratulates us. He's like, hey, man, congratulations on finishing this. Like, I know what a big deal that finishing like a film is. You're like, wow, man. Um, he was super cool. He wore his Royals Converse that they had given him to the recording session, which is pretty sweet. He's like uh, specially branded with like the Royals logo on it from their <laughs> their win, and just was just was super awesome, man. Um, so we chunked through the narration in like you know an hour hour and a half edit That's session. Amazing. Got it back the next morning. Laid that it is, in. Wow, that is amazing. Awesome. My gosh. You guys, I'm glad we had that story in there. I'm glad we got that in there too. So, um, oh, so when, when's the movie out? Where can people see it? What all the details so mo- on that? Movie's out right now. Um, it's available on iTunes. Um, it's available on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Google Play. Okay. It's also available on various cable companies, uh, video VOD, video on demand, and Cox is one of those uh, carriers. So Excellent. it's like Cox, Xfinity, um, and another handful of the big ones. So. Yeah, it's out, it's it. out there. That's how that's how you can check it out. Please awesome. do. Thank Dan you for Napoli, giving us Thank so you for coming today. in, Absolutely. Marty Cordero. Thank you very yeah. much. I know you have things you got to go do. Yeah, thank you absolutely. for coming in and doing this with us. This has been fascinating. And congrats to you guys. You know, thank, I know we saw you. each other a couple months ago at uh, Omaha Rotary West. Yes. Not a plug there, but uh, <laughs> kind uh, of a plug and, there. And and appreciate you guys being there. But congrats. Yeah. Uh, I know thank the you. media world continues to change, and you guys, yep. you've landed. Thank you. I'm thank you. happy for you guys. That's thank awesome. You. Thanks thank very you. much. We appreciate awesome. it. Thanks so much for having us. You got it, guys. 50 Summers, thank guys. You. Check it out. Um, text us, 402-403-9478. Uh, you can also find us anywhere on social. It's Pat and JT. Pat and JT Podcast. A Parkville Media Production.